Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's stand this morning. Hold your Bibles up, your hands, whatever. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're finishing the series on the four don'ts that lead to your wants. And uh, we often talks about, talk about the things we can do, and we should. Willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. And we honor God by doing certain things, but we also honor God by not doing certain things. In other words, we, in the midst of a, a, the chaos of a world that is, is spinning seemingly out of control, uh, we are called to not lose vision. And uh, the vision without a vision, my people perish. We cast off restraint. There's no discipline. We just let things, chaos, consume us. And so the Bible tells us that we're not to lose vision and that we don't lose focus, that Jesus set his face like a flint. In other words, he was focused on his purpose. You will not get to your destiny or your purpose without conflict, chaos, and adversity. It, it, everything in the world will try to stand between you and what God has for you. And, and sometimes we're way too nice when it comes to fighting the good fight of faith. And so you have to fight to keep that focus and say, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to set my face toward my vision, and, and I'm going to make it happen along with the help of God. Today I'll talk about don't lose hope and don't lose heart. These are four things if you live the rest of this year with uh, or the rest of your life, I'm not going to let go of the vision. Now, I will say this, that there have been times that in my life tripped up, you know, fallen down, got to get up, and you just got to keep that vision of I'm called in my life. You've got a call on your life. And, and that call is once you realize that is when the real fight begins. And, and Paul said, you know, I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. In other words, he's saying none of those things are like sitting down. He's saying I've run. I've exhausted myself. I've given every ounce of energy I've got. I have fought not the fight, but the good fight. And he said, in the midst of it all, I chose not to lose my faith. And so, in a world that would make you question gas prices at an all-time high, inflation going at an all-time high, all the stuff going on in the world that people are sitting and going, what am I going to do? We're going to do what we should have always done, which is we're going to believe in Jesus with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we will not allow discouragement to settle into our soul. I pulled up the gas pump to pull, fill my truck up. And I'm sitting there, I, you know, it's automatic, and, and it shuts off. And I thought, well, that's strange. And I went over because the pump only goes up to $100. Yeah, I got a big tank on my big truck. And I, I just sat there. I looked at it a minute, and I thought, huh, huh, we weren't ready for this. These pumps were not ready for these prices, and neither was I. But then rather than getting discouraged, I just thought, devil, wherever gas prices go up, God's going to bring increase to our lives. All the silver and gold is his and a cattle on a thousand hills. So rather than complaining, when you're at the pump, you might look a little strange. Just put hands on it. They'll look at you and they say, what are you doing? I'm believing Jesus. It's time for radical faith, radical believers that say, I'm going to have more than enough. Why? Because my God is more than enough. Thank you for that two and a half percent applause. Praise Jesus. No, you got, we just got to get happier. Now, I got to tell you, it's a fight, but you got to get happier. Whenever things look bad, people start talking at work. Well, you know, it's dark time. It's like, oh, no. 
Mm-mm. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. We're going from glory to glory. The light of his gospel is going to shine brighter in this darkness. It's easy now to be, it's easier to be a Christian in a world like this because it's dark and you are the light of the world. When you smile at the gas pump, you smile at Target, you laugh at Walmart. That's the reason I like going there. It's a lot more humor than anywhere. Walmart's better than any stand-up comedy store, I'm telling you right now. So let's just go back to the focus a minute and, and wrap that up. We have to exercise focus, which means being specific when you ask. If you really want your destiny to come true, you don't just say, God, help me. That's fine if you do that. But tell God what kind of help you want. I don't pray anymore like, well, God, it'd sure be nice to have this or that. I say, God, here's what I want, exactly what I want. And, you know, religious people hate it when you get specific with God. You're just not thankful to get whatever. I don't want a broken down vehicle. Some of y'all praying for a vehicle because you don't have one. Tell God you want a good one. Go ahead and write down the color and how many miles you want on it. I am irritating religious spirits right now. Well, God, it'd just be nice to have a car. No, it wouldn't. Not if you have to take that sucker to the mechanic and it was given to you. Now you've got to pay 3000 to have it fixed. That doesn't work. So get specific with God. That's what focus does. If your kid's being stupid, pray specifically that they would not be stupid. Don't use words like, well, my child is going to be brought up. No, I bind the spirit of stupidity. I didn't say your kid was stupid. I said the spirit that was upon him was stupid. Because some of you all offended, you know. I think it's really funny how Christians get so easily offended when we're the ones that shouldn't be offended. Well, somebody said something to me. Well, okay. You, you know, I mean, who cares? If you buy into what they said, that's when it hurts. But when I look and go, you just don't know me. Because if you did, you wouldn't have just said what you said. I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, see, see, you guys, oh, my gosh. No, there's not arrogance. That's called confidence. I am a child of God. Jesus would have died for me if none of y'all would have been here. I, I got to tell y'all, I'm on a little bit of a tacky roll today. 9.30 got stuff that we can't even air again. Yeah, no, I, I, I went ahead and just got right there at 9.30. I didn't even wait on y'all. Usually I wait on y'all. I measure everything at 9.30 and just vomit at 11. I just went ahead and got it over with early today. I'll try to be a little nicer at this one. No, there, there are things that have to be said. And this is the trouble we're having in a world that says, what can I say? We live in a country that, that applauds free speech, and yet you, if you believe in Jesus, you can't speak freely. Everybody else could tell you their opinion, but you let a believer start talking or a pastor start really preaching, and it's like, well, he's just a hateful. No, you're the hateful. Watch MSNBC, CNBC, CNN, Fox. Watch all of them. They just talk. I mean, it's just a fight. They need some preachers on there. <laughs> Y'all really aren't sure, are you? <laughs> now, the problem is that, that truth is now considered hate. If Jesus were alive today in Canada, he'd be in prison. Because in Matthew 23, you don't call people whitewashed sepulchers, you brood of vipers, you snakes. Some of y'all haven't read that gospel, have you? It's in there. Go look. Just like I read it, it's right there. And multiple translations will even make it fancier. There is one thing for sure. Jesus was specific. And when you're going to expect something from him, don't pray general prayers. When we started Mosaic Church in 2016, in January, February of 2016, uh, I'm praying, God, we need a building. And after about a week of that, I felt like the Spirit of God said, quit asking me for a building and ask me for the building. And, and we got what I felt like at that time was the building, and then we moved into this building, and there's another building out there with our name on it that we're going to own free and clear. You say, where is it, Pastor? I don't know yet. Because I'm, I believe more in what I can't see than what I do see. 
because what I can't see is eternal and he's in charge of it. What you can't see is your kid growing up and being productive and taking care of you after you taking care of them. That's why I had so many kids. One of them's going to take care of me. I bought them cars when they were kids. They're going to buy me cars when I get old. That's what I had so many. I'd have five more if I knew it'd work. <laughs> we have to get specific with the Lord. Don't be manby pamby and, well, I don't want to pray that kind of prayer. God will think I'm not appreciative, I'm not grateful. Just say, God, I'm so thankful for everything you do, and I'm thankful for everything you've yet to do, and I'm thankful for everything you didn't allow to happen in my life. I am grateful, God, and I'm declaring my gratitude along my faith is believing you for things I cannot see. I'm believe- If somebody is not criticizing you for what you're believing for, you're not believing big enough. When you start telling somebody, they look at you like, no, walk away whispering. That's what happens. There are more naysayers than yaysayers in the kingdom of God. You start talking about faith and, and declaring and confessing and believing. That's how, that's how we, things happen. When God spoke, the earth on which we now reside is a result of God's spoken word. And yet we go around talking trash, oh, and, then, and then we pray for five minutes, but for 23 hours, if you can't sleep, you talk trash. Well, you know, things are bad. I don't feel good. When I don't feel good, I don't even, my wife gets mad at me because if I don't feel good, I usually don't tell her. She goes, why didn't you tell me? Why would I tell you? What are you going to do about it? Can you heal me? I told Jesus, he's the one that needs to know. Now, if you got some tremendous faith, I'll tell you, but don't look and say, well, you know, I've heard this really gets worse before it gets better. Thank you, not. That's, you're not the friend I need. I don't need somebody telling me, well, this is going to get really bad. I need somebody saying, ah, it won't last long. Why? Because we're believing and we're agreeing together that God's fixing to change things that you can't see because what you do see will scare you. What you can't see, God is going to show you. Be specific in your pursuit. Don't just take whatever comes your way. I can't remember now what service, if I preached this earlier or now, but if I preached it twice, then, well. I'm going to be nice. Some things are not a blessing that come your way. The devil wants you to believe they're a blessing, but they're not a blessing. Some things would take you under. They would weigh you down. You'd be trying to figure out how to make the payments on something that somebody gave you that they still owed something on. Oh, it's a blessing. Thank you for giving it to me. But you can't make the payments. You can't put tires on it. You can't fix the engine when it goes kaput. I don't want something broken down. If I'm praying for something, I'm asking God to make it really good. Really good. See, religion is constantly tippy-toeing around Jesus in prayer and so on and so forth. They're tiptoe because we're afraid that God's going to get mad, ask, mad at us uh, for asking him for big things. God doesn't get mad. As a matter of fact, it, I, think it, I think God, when he says without faith it's impossible to please him, the word says that, that when we start exercising faith for things that are so big that it's impossible for them to happen without his involvement, I think that's what excites God. Y'all are docile this morning. That's all right. We're getting ready to rev this up. See, we're often tempted to settle for good when God's holding out great to us. So for us, we could easily say this is a great facility. And, and it is a great facility um, in every way. But we don't own it. And, and so that means that, that we have... Have you ever thought about landlord? I have to call somebody Lord that owns the land. And I only have one Lord, so I don't want a landlord. 
I only want one Lord, Jesus Lord. So I want him to give us a building that, that he is the Lord of that building. Yeah. I got me one back there. Intentionally sits on the back row just to shake you all up. Maybe we should say that too. Yes, you should. Don't lose hope. Do not lose hope. And you know what? Typically, we don't lose anything. We give it away. You don't lose it. You just quit focusing on it. That's how come I just began declaring uh, a few weeks ago about a building. I just thought, you know what? I've had this in my heart, but I haven't let it get to my mouth. And when it gets to your mouth and you start opening your mouth, I know I'm out there because some of y'all now, you'll come just to see if we get a building. We're not going to tell you. We're just going to have a note on the door. We moved. <laughs> and like parents with kids who are stubborn, we're not giving you a forwarding address. <laughs> Mom and dad aren't here. Where'd they go? We're not telling. And it is not public record. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. There is light despite the darkness. You and I are called to be the light of the world, that we burn bright, that in the midst of the darkest night, that's when you see the greatest light. So in the midst of the darkest time on earth or in our lifetime, we should be the light shining and not being put out. You don't, you don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Anyway, so I just went back to Sunday school, man. A person who, no matter how desperate the situation, gives others hope. That's a person who's a true leader and a true believer. I never want to get on an airplane and hear a pilot say, you know, we sure hope we get to Austin today. I'm off that plane quick. Not sure, but we're going to give it our best shot. I'm like, well, have fun getting there. I'm out. I want to get on one that they tell me, even if it's a lie, I want to believe and have hope we're there. No, I'm out. When somebody does say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm like, well, I'm sure I'm, I'm out. If you're not sure, I'm sure. I don't want to be with you. I want to be around people who provoke me to believe beyond what I believe. Some of y'all out in the chicken yard with chickens. You'll never soar. You don't fly. You just flutter. I flutter for Jesus. <laughs> We're called to soar, baby. You out there with chicken scratch. Flutter, flutter for God. Not a scripture for that one. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. A lot of sick people because they, they've given up. They've released their hope. They've quit believing. You just say, well, you know, I'm just too old. You're never too old. I told you a couple of weeks ago, Caleb was 85, and he stands up and says, you know what? I'm 85. I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. Give me the land. He didn't say, you think I might be able to? I'm not sure I can plow it. I have goals for when I'm 90. I do. So you may not live that long. Well, aren't you just encouraging? Yeah, you're the people I don't want to be around. Well, you know. And then people say, well, you know, I don't remember. I'm just getting older. That means you ought to be smarter. Yeah, I forget. I forgot. Oh, it's your age. I'm not going to get Alzheimer's or sometimers. Either one. I'm going to be sharp like Caleb. And some of you will keep coming just to see if that's true. So what does it cost you to believe and hold on to hope? Does it cost you more to say that and believe that than to not? It's important that we don't lose our vision. We don't lose the focus. We don't lose hope. Because if you lose hope, you'll lose your focus. If you lose your focus, you'll lose your vision. We hold on to hope. We squeeze it tight. We believe. We don't let our confession start wavering because we get around people who are negative. And you're around them all day. 
You go to work tomorrow and there'll be somebody there talking bad, negative. I don't even watch things that make me negative. Because if you watch them and they get in you, that's what will come out of you. I'm just trying to get us to that place where we don't let go and we just say, well, this is fine, this will work, this will do. Jesus didn't die for this will do or that will work. He died that you'd have life and have it completely to the full. You say, well, I'm not there yet. Keep on pouring, baby. I think about the woman that she was about to die, and, and, and the prophet said, go get jars, and she goes and gets jars. And, and the oil kept flowing as long as there were jars, which tells me she didn't get enough jars. It said when they when ran out of jars, the oil quit flowing. I'm telling you all need to go to the neighborhood and start gathering up jars. Keep on, keep the oil flowing. Keep the glory going. Come on, keep it happening. I'd preach like this if there were five of you in here. Have you ever been, I mean, it's just, you know, it's what's in us that's going to come out of us. People want to be around people who provoke us to believe beyond what we see into what we cannot see. You may have heard the terms fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And they are exactly what they sound like. A fixed mindset is static. It prioritizes the status quo, which means the mess we're in now, and focuses on protecting the here and now. See, you, you protecting the little you've got will keep you from getting the much he holds. Sitting around and saying, well, you know, I'm just going to sit on this. I'm, I'm not going to take any risk. I'm not gonna. No, God's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to exercise faith. I want you to believe me. People talk, well, you know, I'm just going to hang on, just holding on. I don't want to be holding on when Jesus comes back. I want to be filthy, dirty, fighting faith, fighting in faith, believing that Jesus is going to do what his Bible says he will do. It's typically grounded, the fixed mindset is grounded in fear. In other words, this is the way things have always been. This is the way they're always going to be. My grandfather had cancer. My grandmother had cancer. My dad had cancer. We were broke. Therefore, that's who I am. That's a fixed mindset that has decided to believe in a natural legacy instead of a supernatural legacy. Jesus didn't have any of those things. You're not going to have any of those things. And this is what separates religious people from faith-filled people is religious people. You say, you can't say that. I just did. Well, you can't believe it's going to happen. I still do. Well, maybe you'll die, and if you die, what are you going to do? Rejoice, you can't talk to me. I'm in heaven, and you're not. Because people are always waiting when he dies. I'm going to be there. No, no. 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 Oh, how I want to. You are not healthy. That's why we're here. Help us, Jesus. See, <laughs> there are actually some people that were not sin here. You were. Um, we don't want to offend those who just happened to say, I, let's just go to this church today. <laughs> you know, I'm all about those of you that God told me to come and listen to your silly self. But The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So if you're here on your own, you're on your own. <laughs> and it says, but growth, a growth mindset is one of momentum. It's dynamic and forward-looking. It finds the opportunities in past and present circumstances to improve. And its foundation is hope. You can always tell when someone has let go of hope. Let me tell you how you tell. People who have no hope don't talk about things that are hopeful. 
They talk about things that are dreadful. So people who are bitter, unforgiving, judgmental, these are the people that you will fight against because they have already determined, because they have a fixed mindset that this is the way things are, this is the way they're always going to be, and it's always somebody else's fault. Well, you know, my dad, my mom, my neighborhood, my school, my community, my family, I've had no breaks, I've had, yeah, 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 yeah. Always somebody else's fault tells me you have no hope because you have fixed mindset that the way things have always been, that's the way they're going to be. You're going to trip up in life. You're going to have some trip-ups. They're going to come. Trust me. You'll fall flat on your face sometimes, and, 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 and you'll just be thinking, I'll never walk again. I'll never do it again. How many of you know that people say things like this? This is something because this is my world. The church is my world. It's been my world for I don't even like to tell you how long now because that dates me. But the fact is, people all the time say, I, I get hurt, church. I got hurt at a church. That's why I don't go anymore. I got hurt at Target, but I still shop there. It's funny to me, the church is the only organization, institution on earth where people say, I'm not coming back. I got hurt. We make decisions based on our pain instead of faith. There's no perfect church. If you, if you decide to leave another church and you come to Mosaic because uh, you feel more comfortable here, but you left angry there, you'll enter angry here, and I will make you mad. I don't even need for you to come in mad. I have a gift. And a part of that is really scriptural, the word provocation. It's just provoke one another to good works. So if I make you mad, I'm really doing my job. You, you need people to provoke you to rise higher. Not to say, well, it's just okay right where you're at. It's okay to feel that way. You, oh, woe is me. You, you were raised so horribly, and some people are. I'm not minimizing the pain of some people. I'm not. But most of us have just lived a rather normal life with really normal fallen human parents in a school with fallen teachers and principals. I got so many swats in high school. I could have said, it's all your fault. You Look, it was fun. I, used to, I, I, liked, I got addicted to swats. I'd get demerits just to get them taken off. If you have to sit in school for eight hours, your rear might as well be numb. That's how I endured school. <laughs> it's not on my notes anywhere, but here's what happens. We, we, we live our lives addressing our pain instead of addressing our God who took our pain. We talk about the pain, the hurt the wrongs that were done to us. This is an indicator that we have given away our hope because no matter what's happened to me, I know what's happened for me, and I want to access from God what's happened for me instead of talk about you that's happened to me. I was listening to this sermon this week, and a, a very brilliant pastor in New York City, uh, Tim Keller, and he is, uh, just pray for Tim, he's been fighting pancreatic cancer. I'm assuming he's still alive. I, I Google it because I just love listening. He was a brilliant man. And he talks about uh, people who are bitter. He said, you can tell when people are bitter because they talk about what's been done to them by other people. They're always bringing up the past. They're always bringing up their hurts. They're always, and, and, and here's what Christianity, this is religion says, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. Well, aren't you just sanctified? Thank you. Thank you. I feel the love. No, here's what happens. He says, when people say, I forgive, but I don't forget, they're not being like God because God says, I will forget. Remember your sins no more. They'll be separated from you as far as the east is from the west. I will never bring them up again. So when somebody brings up your past, they're not doing what God does. Forty-two per. 0.1% of you believe that. The rest of you are going, jury's still out. Listen to me. 
we crowd our hearts with anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, judgmentalism, and, and we wonder why we have no hope because we're holding on to somebody who hurt us last week, last year, a decade ago. Our mother left, our dad did this, and we're hanging on to that, and those are certainly things that might have violated something in us, but what Jesus did was, I've come that you can overcome the things that overcame you so that you don't have to live in the shadow of the pain and hurt that somebody else did. I took your pain, I took your hurt. It's a choice. I look back, I can hardly drive through the neighborhood I grew up in, not because there were bad people, but we were never provoked to believe we could do more than what was happening in our community. And there were some really good people, but let me just say this. Not all good people are living the destiny and the call of their life that God put on them, and they want you to stay where they're at because the minute someone rises above community status, then you have elevated above, and everybody says, why can't I be that way? And the community can't explain it. I heard this growing up. We are a victim of our environment. I understand that we do learn from the environment in which we grow up. But I'm not going to be a victim to anything because I know God and I know what Jesus did and I know what he can do in me and I know what he can do through me and you'll have to kill me to stop me. Yeah. And you think it's easy sometimes. Why are you standing up there? You have no idea what I've gone through the last eight years. You have no idea. And let me tell you something, it's taken every ounce of energy and faith I've had to climb out of the hole I dug. I could blame anybody else for the way things went down. I'm not blaming anybody. I said, I'll own this, and I will beat this. You can own it, and you can beat it. You don't have to live under it. No matter what's happened to you, you can look and say, I will not give up my hope. I will not let it go. I'm staying gripped. My grip is on that hope. You can talk yourself into revival while you're taking a shower. You could be sitting in your living room, and all of a sudden you start talking to yourself like you're King Kong, and you will get up out of that chair, and you will begin to walk like King Kong. Sign my notes here. A whole lot not in there. It finds opportunities in past and present circumstances to improve and found its foundation is hope. Successful leaders and believers choose to have a mindset that leads to growth and ultimately have a perspective of hope. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be misinformed or uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. So we, we hold on to a hope. We've all lost people. We've lost battles. We've lost things. We've given up things. But when you lose something, don't give something away. When you lose it, don't give it. Don't give up hope when you lose someone you love. Many people say, well, if God was God, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? We've got to stop asking why and start saying, asking what? What do I do now, God? What do you want from me now? I think about so many secular situations from Michael Jordan being cut from the high school basketball team to becoming probably the greatest of all time. But Michael didn't go, I got cut, so I'm going to go to work for Mickey D's. Can you imagine 6'6"? Six, six? You want to supersize that? No, you get up and you say, you know what? I'm not giving up the hope that I have and the dreams I have just because somebody told me I wasn't good enough because that somebody was not God who said you're more than enough because I'm the God of more than enough. So don't you settle for anything less than more than enough. One person said, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Too many people allowing their hurt to shape their future. If you, if you let hurt control you, your hope will be paralyzed. 
You can't listen to the I can'ts. You've got to declare the I can. I can do all things through Christ. Another person said we must free ourselves of the hope that the sea will ever rest. A lot of people are saying when things calm down, when things get better. No, no, no. We free ourselves of the hope that those things are going to happen. We must learn to sail in high winds. We must learn to thrive and rise higher in the face of adversity. If you believe in God and you believe in you, you'll be surprised at what can happen. Don't lose heart. David said to Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 17, when Saul became king, the Bible says he was head and shoulders bigger than any man. He, he looked kingly. He, he looked the role. He, he was everything that, that the people were looking for, but he wasn't everything God was looking for. You see, sometimes we believe because the majority says one thing that this person's the right person. But Saul was not the right person. David was the right person. So Israel is facing the Philistines, the giant, Goliath, the story that even most people in the world know that don't even go to church. It's a great story. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is David, little David. Now, you've got to understand, we make David out to be a giant. The only reason we do is because he did giant things. But the Bible says he wasn't big. He was just a ruddy little redheaded guy. And he would have never graduated from Berry Hill High School because he played the harp. We would beat some guy up that played the harp. No, he would not have lasted. We would have run him out of the school. I mean, playing the trumpet was bad enough, but you start a man, start playing the harp. You know I'm telling the truth. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. I get that. And, and we said, well, that's just wrong, Pastor. He should be able to play the harp without any difficulty. Well, you know, that, that's just not the case. <laughs> I, I just can't help it. I'm just telling you right now. Now, it's a little more acceptable today, but I can promise you, in the 70s, a man playing the harp did not last long. And here David is, little David, little harpster. Even his brother didn't want him in the house. His brothers, his dad didn't want him. So he's out taking care of his dad's sheep, and he's got a little leather thing with rocks. David had no resume, really, to speak of that anybody knew. Nobody even knew who he was, just little David out in the middle of a field taking care of the flocks while his brothers are home. They're all chilling and thrilling and playing Game Boy. Just trying to bring it in to the millennium. Saul replied when David said what he said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, that's coming from the king of Israel is discouraging David, who's willing to give his life for the sake of God, Jehovah, Yahweh, saying, how dare this giant taunt, taunt the armies of the living God? And David didn't say, hey, uh, I'll tell you what, guys, I'll give it a shot. Uh, how many of you will go with me? Will anybody help me? David's like, no, I got this. I'm saying he's kind of walking like a harp player. Anyway, so. <laughs> not that I know how they walk, but I can only imagine. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. So here's what happens. David decides, I'm not asking the king of Israel, I'm talking to the king of kings of kings of kings, and I'm going to go out and face the giant. He didn't lose heart. He didn't lose hope. He had focus. He knew exactly what he was up against. As a matter of fact, how many of you ever watched karate? No, maybe it was uh, Billy Jack. Any of you remember Billy Jack? 
I'm going to take this right foot and I'm going to put it on your, your right cheek. That's about as good as it gets right now. I haven't stretched. Basically, what he said was, I'm going to do this and there's nothing you can do to stop it. David said, I'm going to put a stone in that big forehead, that billboard-sized forehead. And you don't think the Bible's graphic? Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut off your head. This is in the Bible. You're not supposed to say this nowadays. I'm going to cut off your head. You will not defy the armies of God. David said, I will not leave any room for losing heart or losing hope. Here's what I'm going to do. And he did exactly what he said he was going to do. The minute you begin to question is the minute you get in trouble. Like I said, I ain't getting on an airplane where the pilot says, I think we're going to get there. No, no, we're, we're going to get there. We're not talking about possibly not getting there. We're going to get there. You want to be around people who believe, who have faith, who talk faith. I don't listen to gossip. I don't listen to negativity. I don't listen to naysayers. Matter of fact, there was a time people said, well, they don't, they don't tell you because they're just intimidated. No, let me tell you why you don't tell me trash. Because I am not a trash collector. Well, Pastor, you know, there are not as many people as there were pre-pandemic. Well, there are going to be more than there were pre-pandemic. We're just not there yet. Well, you know, people just aren't getting out much anymore. They will. They're going to. I mean, either that or you're going to have to buy a new sofa because you've been sitting in it for two years. It's got your imprints. <laughs> Don't sit there. It's bumpy. <laughs> Lumpy. Time to get off, off that sofa. Save you some money. Get out of that bed. You're going to need a new mattress. You've been there two years. It's good, bad. Fear is what the devil uses to keep us from our destiny. It's never going to be the same. You're right, it's going to be better. The world's never going to be the same. You're right, it's going to be better. I promise you, if you think the end is going to look like hell or the devil, let me tell you something. God is going to rise up, and his glory will fill this earth. He will have the last word. Give it your best shot, devil. If all you can do is raise gas prices, go for it. I walked up to the pump yesterday, put my hand on the glass, and said, I got more than enough. Yeah, stop filling up at 100. That's what a 35-gallon tank will do for you. And I, saw I couldn't even fill up my truck because it only goes to 100. Those pumps were not prepared for this, but you were. You were. I am. We're prepared. And whenever things rise to that point, God will rise above the things that have risen above where you've been. Get ready for miracles, which is what I'm going to preach on in April. Get ready for miracles. You know, I hate it when people say, well, you know, they're sick. I've tried everything else. Might as well try God. If I was God, I'd just say, die, suck a die. Anyway, no, I wouldn't. I, I probably would. Come to me last. I'm the one that made you. I know how to fix you. You've tried everything else, but you have not tried me. Try me. Speak those things that are not as though they were, with as much certainty as though they've already passed. This is how I know people have hope. They talk about what God is going to do, not what everybody else has done. What's well, never happened before, talk to Mary when you say it's never happened before. Nobody's ever had a kid without. <laughs> Mary goes, well, there's one in the oven. <laughs> I 
That's all I need. I just need one miracle. That's all I need. If God did it for little Mary, he'll do it for big Marky. We're on the 18th hole, and he hit the green. Yes. It's always funny to me how you can you get people that they'll, they'll go out and they'll dance like crazy, go to a football game with 88,000 people, and they'll go crazy and paint big zeros on their big bellies in the ice-cold weather. And you come to church, and they're like, it's just too loud. We need to be happy, shouting, raising our hands, raising our voices. We're watching a bunch of 19-year-olds who may not even graduate, and we're going crazy over them moving a pit, dead pig up and down the field. And we're with a living God. Well, I just, you know, it's, it's kind of feels funny. feels funny to me to watch some metabolism challenge fat guy Oh, I was supposed to stop at Metabolism Challenged <laughs> with a big O on. And I'm thinking, you're freezing. And then I thought, nah, you're like a whale. And so, <sighs> stop. <laughs> Stay warm. <laughs> See, you'll pay good money to go hear a comedian say this stuff, but you'll judge a preacher. Oh, you say this stuff in the house, man. This is where you are. This is where we live. And, and what we have to believe is, God, you deserve the, the loudest shout, the highest praise, the most exuberance. You deserve that, God. Not some kid who just graduated from high school. God deserves it. When you start getting happy about praising God, you're going to be a happier person. Find a place to land this. Yeah, this could be rocky. <laughs> but I will close with this because when I talked about the unseen versus the seen, most of us measure life by what we see instead of what we don't see. I've never seen Jesus, but the measurement of my life is based on him, not what I do see, but the one I don't see. It's called faith. Paul, in his old age, this is why Paul can't, see the way he used to, and there were no glasses. He can't hear the way he used to, but there were no hearing aids. He doesn't recover from beatings the way he used to, and there were no antibiotics. His strength, walking from town to town, doesn't hold up the way it used to. He sees wrinkles in his face and neck. His memory is not as good, and he admits that this is a threat to his faith and joy and courage, but he doesn't lose heart. Why? He doesn't lose heart because his inner man is being renewed. How? It comes from looking at what he can't see instead of what he can see. According to 2 Corinthians, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We walk by faith, not by sight. So what you see in front of you, the mountain in front of you, is subject to the words that are within you. Mountain be moved and be cast into the sea. You see, what you believe in here is the beginning of your miracle. What you say with your mouth is the movement of that miracle. Next month's going to be really great because, as Matthew said, there were people here watching online that you've lost hope, you've lost focus, you've lost vision, and you're about to lose heart because you're looking at the circumstances around you and saying nothing good can come from these. But I'm here to tell you if you will turn your faith on and flip the switch of your mouth to start lining up with the Word of God, you're going to start seeing miracles. And see, people today don't believe in miracles until they have to. And the reality is you ought to believe in miracles before you need one. Go ahead 
and store those up because we're all going to need them. And I always tell religious people who say, you know, I don't believe that, that people get healed today. Well, when you get sick, you will believe people get healed today. You see, why do we wait to believe what we should already believe because Jesus already told us what to believe? I believe in miracles. I don't believe in an age of miracles. I believe in a God of miracles. They say, well, those days have passed. They've not passed in my world. They've not passed in any world. But they will stop with the world in which you live if you declare that they don't work. It doesn't cost you one thing but a little reputation with people who don't matter. So I don't want to lose them as a friend. If I tell them I believe in miracles, they're going to think I'm a radical Christian. Why don't you just remove all doubt? Since I got about 98% on that one, I think I'll pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are an awesome God. And we don't say that to try to in any way. Uh, we mean it, God, is what I'm saying. We mean it. It's, it's just, you're an awesome God. And I thank you today, God, that you are always looking for opportunity to do something great in us, for us, through us. But you need our permission, you need our faith, you need our cooperation. The Bible says the willing and the obedient shall lead to good of the land. Our willingness and our obedience is what unleashes the power of heaven and allows you to work in us and through us. So we want to do that today, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it begins by accepting Jesus, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me, everyone watching online and in-house. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am born again. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer... I want to ask you for the first time or to give your life to Jesus or to recommit your life to him. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And this is for you. And, and when we get that, we pray over everyone that gave their life to Jesus today. So please text that to, to 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. It's, it's real simple. And then we will be praying for you. And we'll celebrate with you. But most importantly, it is a step for you to take that says, I am stating today that I am a Christian. I am forgiven. I've given my life to Jesus. Do it right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.